Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Decorating Pages is a podcast dedicated to taking you behind the scenes of the designs of your favorite TV shows and films. Each episode, I'll be sharing design stories from some of Hollywood's most famous sets, interviews from set decorators, production designers, directors, and actors about creating the look of TV and film, about their design inspirations, and stories that take sets from page to screen. Hello. Welcome to Decorating Pages. I'm your host, Kim Wanup. I hope you've enjoyed the last couple of episodes where I've talked to some Art Directors Guild nominees. The Art Directors Guild Awards uh, happens this Saturday night, and so we will find out all of the winners. Um, Patrick Tatopoulos and John Schaffner and my crew from The Good Place, and now I'm uh, adding one more, and it's the production designer of the Black Mirror nominated episode, Striking Vipers. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I'd also like to say, uh, wow, I didn't think I'd get to do that many episodes in January, <laughs> but uh, I've been busting them out. So I hope to keep it going. I hope you're enjoying and thank you again for all the feedback that uh, I get um, for emails and retweeting and all that jazz. I also wanted to say um, this week is the last episode of The Good Place. So it's a fantastic finale. Get a box of tissues. It was written perfectly and um, I can't wait to see put all together. Reading the script and shooting it was one thing, but seeing it, it's going to be it's going to be a tearjerker. That's all I can say. Uh, I'd also like to promote anybody who wants to look at things that I've bought through Amazon for The Good Place or Versace or Veep. Um, the decorating pages uh, Amazon shop is around for you to check out any purchases I've made for the shows. And that link is on the website. I'm joined on this episode by production designer Annie Bucamp, who is nominated for an Art Directors Guild Award this year for her work on Black Mirror, the episode Striking Vipers, which is the one with the two guys who play the video game and then not giving anything away they start making out and I remember watching that episode thinking what just happened uh I love Black Mirror I love all of them I mean some of them more than others but I think it's a fantastic series um but anyway Annie joined me from Australia so we coordinated it was you know she was living in the future and um coordinated a phone call over Skype and she was fantastic to give me amazing details about her work on Black Mirror, the Lego movie, uh, Top of the Lake, and really talks about what it's like traveling around um, the world because she's she's filmed in South Africa, Vietnam, uh, Brazil, I mean, New Orleans. She, she talks about it all. She really gets into some great details of um, her influences she has so many influences of like uh, production designers or architects or artists like I'm jealous I can't remember anybody's name um so I hopefully will get to bump into her this week at the Art Directors Guild Awards again she is nominated for her work on Black Mirror so I hope you enjoy No. Just be an equal playing field straight away and be on parody. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's just make it to that point. Absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Um, so 
how did you start in this? <laughs> how did you start in this crazy little, crazy little world? I um, studied a BA in fine arts, and I thought I was going to be an artist. So for three years, I studied um, sketching and oil painting, and oh, got specialised into photography. And from that. I had to earn a living, so I became, um, <laughs> in my spare time, I was doing photo shoots for people, like the either the models' dresses on their portfolio oh, yeah. tear sheets, working with the photographer who let me, um, let, this led me to um, working for a props team for stills, photographs, and then on to being an art department runner on some music videos and ads. And when I did that, it felt like, you know that moment when the red curtain goes up and you see it's like something lifted like in I Moulin went, Rouge you mean no <laughs> <laughs> and I went oh I love this I have to do this yes and oh yes this is, now I know what I want to do this yes. is my passion and I said to the production designer I was working with of course there's a little pipsqueak um how do I become you how do I become a production designer and he just looked at me and went well, you could go to film school. There's a film school here. And I applied for the film school. It's a three-year degree. It's 40 contact hours a week. It was 16 students. We all got to make films. We did every specialization. Oh, that's great. And I, there's only 16 of us. There was two production designers. I luckily got in on my portfolio. And oh. that's really when I learned um, what it meant to be a production designer. And after that, I guess I... I cut my real teeth in the world by being an art director for a decade. Yeah. I mean, that's the usual step. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like me who, um, I, you know, I knew I wanted to work in the art department and, you know, there's so many positions. And so I, someone said to me, like, you have to have business cards made because you're going to network, network, and you're going to be at places and you always have to have a card with you. And this was like, you know, early 2000s. So I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Kim want a production designer. <laughs> I like look at that now like, oh my God, how embarrassing. I tried to like pawn myself off as a designer and they were probably like, who is this little girl lying to us? I had no experience, nothing, but I just thought, oh, well, that's what I want to do. So I'm just going to put my title on it. No, no education uh, for that necessary or experience. Um, but being an art director, I say that because I wanted, I did want to be a production designer. So I got into the guild here. Yes. And so I know that that's a step. And was there anything else that interested you? Did you think about like illustration or like um, set designing or anything? Or you just knew? I was lucky enough just to jump into art directing for a designer here called Michael Phillips that came from South Africa and he'd art directed on Gandhi and big films and he was an ex-architect so oh. I really, after teaming up with him and becoming such also personal good friends, that was absolutely like my apprenticeship really and we worked together non-stop for a decade mm. and I really learned a lot from with the combination of knowing and learning all the film craft and screen study stuff in the film school degree and then his practical experience because I remember when I did my first art directing job for him they threw down in front of me oh this is so embarrassing a purchase order <laughs> book and I remember sitting in the first day of work with the art and I was sitting there frozen looking at the purchase order book going, I don't know what this is. I think I'll just go and tell Michael that I can't do this job and I, <laughs> I am not prepared and he has to get someone that is, uh, can actually do the job and I'm going to quit. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. I was frozen with fear. And then luckily she saw that I had turned probably ashen <laughs> and explained to me what a purchase order book was. And Michael didn't want to lose me. <laughs> he was smart. And he met me because I was storyboarding for a director on a previous feature. Oh. So I did do some illustration, I guess. Yes, I was doing odd jobs and drawing and all sorts of things. So, yeah, one thing leads to the other, doesn't it, in our industry? It does, and I, I think that that's important to find out what you don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, you see and you're like, oh, yeah, I don't, 
I don't want to do that. I don't want to be in the office all day. Or I do want to be in the office all day. Or I do want to go to meetings. I don't want to go to meetings. Yeah. There's a big, there's, I mean, there's so many names and <laughs> which I always think is so crazy because I set decorators in general get called set directors or, you know, I feel like no one ever says set decorator as a position correctly, which is fine, but it's because there's so many positions. There's so many spokes in our, in our wheels, you know, it's a, uh, for me, the most important couple of roles is the supervising art director or art director, depending on the job, and the set yeah. decorator. The set decorator is crucial for me as the head of department yeah. and my eyes when I'm not there. I mean, boy, oh boy, I think it's a, yeah, very, very, very creative role, but there's so much work. I mean, you, like creating every object in someone's room. Yeah. Of, the and their life story and the subtext of the story and then color coding and you know the, the job in its entirety how do we do it <laughs> i don't i don't i mean i have a wonderful crew that i've had for a very long time a lot of them so um i blame them for being good and bad <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah it's a team effort yeah. no one's standing there alone it's a huge team yeah and the artist incredibly important and it, the supervising art director is so vital because that's your link between construction and the graphics and they're they're the voice who reports back to you mm. you know that's that's the link that's your keystone really in the art department yeah and it's a little bit different here like when I work around the world um, like when you're an art director here it's the producers give you the entire budget. So you are running oh, props, cool. construction, scenic, um, drapery, um, set decoration, everything, special effects, and you're also doing the concept art for VFX. So you get the biggest chunk of money from the producers. Well, you're working with them. I'm not saying it's... No, 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 yeah, yeah. But we are running our own budgets with the art department coordinator and a weekly cost report, which is similar, but we have all departments, including wages that we, you know, oh, That's so, like a commercial here. It's yeah. like the designer gets this lump sum and then like figures out, including yeah. wages. That's yeah. hard. <laughs> that's yeah. really hard to do. Yeah. That's a whole other layer of like, yeah. Oh, I really only have I really only have like six days that I can hire this person for, or yeah, yeah that's hard. Um, so when when I come to the states and work, and you just have to go into a different mindset. But I kind of know, I kind of know across the board because of that training, in a way, the holistic thing. How how you're gonna divide it up, and then and then when you're here. You don't have to worry about that as much. No, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. Nice. Yeah. It's an absolute pleasure working there. And plus, because you have the union. Yeah. So you do know, you have to join the union? Are you, well, you're part of the guild, obviously, right? Yeah, so I've joined yeah. the um, Art Directors Guild, yes. the local 800. I'm a member. Yeah. Um, let and me... I've done all my contract services, safety <laughs> classes. Oh, God, don't talk about it. I'm like three <laughs> classes behind. Don't talk about it. Um, they're going to get me. I got to go do like scaffolding. I got to go there and oh, get like hooked up online. to some scaffolding. It's, no way. It's online now. No. Are you kidding? Yeah, but we have to go. There's like a part two of our set decorator has to know how to do scaffolding. It's so crazy. I don't know why set decorators don't have, I don't know, but I have to go and do that physical part in person. Yeah. Now it's all online. It's great. Um, but <laughs> wait, so do you pursue jobs that are around the world? Because your resume of jobs, are, like you're global. It's crazy. No, I mean, yeah, definitely international. So yeah, the idea is because I'm a working mom and I, I would love to move to LA, mm -hmm. but right now I don't want to take Ollie out of his last two years of senior school and mm -hmm. then he'll be... Either he can have a gap year and travel or go to college, whatever. But I don't want to, I don't think it's fair on him to take him out 
of school with all these peers where he's so happy yeah, yeah. for you that's, right now. That's above and so, beyond the, the, the better choice. <laughs> yeah, so um, really I have a very supportive partner who's a film editor and he's um, taken a full-time position for a couple of years at the film school. Mm-hmm. So he's teaching at, um, there as head of editing and the deal is I can travel. So the last, since Ollie was 14, 13, I started to travel. I got a, a film called The Yellow Birds, which was mm-hmm. shot in Morocco and Atlanta. And um, that was through my UK agent. And then when I met the line producer there and worked in the States, and I just fell in love with it here, just the, I, there, I fell in love. I fell in love with working in America. Basically, it's yeah. just um, so wonderful to have the. Here we a bit more organic resources. We have no prop sh- houses really. We have one that has some of the old Matrix props, but really, <laughs> we have like everyone finds everything through hiring from collectors or shops or eBay or Gumtree. You know that. And so it's, it's an incredible work. It's so funny cuz I literally have a I didn't I didn't send you this I didn't send you this but I have a question that was like I I know this sounds very naive <laughs> but the perception of Australia or basically any country other than the United States is that the film and TV community is very small because yeah. of the amount of shows that are imported from the US. Am I crazy? Or is that No, tr- I'm crazy. Okay. <laughs> So we have like a smaller industry, like you're a real um, larger business really, it's a proper industry. We have um, a lot of films here getting funded by the government, so um, we, and now, and there's a lot of American interest with Netflix here, for example, and um, Stan and NBC, so there is, we really um, are resourceful, we really, I think, kick goals. Um, our acting and film talent. You have a lot of actors. (laughs) We we just try and, and we travel. Like, we're like, um, we're resourceful and we just want to get out there and get it done. And do it. You know, we're really, and do it. We're not, we don't moan, we don't say, oh, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, how can we solve this problem? Because, and that's because of how much harder it is to find stuff for the art department over here. Yeah, that's, it sounds very challenging. I mean, I know that sometimes you there's like, you know, tax incentives in the United States and that's why like all of a sudden everybody will go shoot in Alabama. And yeah. it's not like Alabama is set up with prop houses or rental places or anything. Any people, right. You know, people will bring, send, they'll <laughs> fill up a truck from LA and bring it in. Or you just yeah. work with like local vendors and try to rent from their store or I mean, that's my department. I don't know how, like, grips well, do it. I don't know. I don't know how other pe- departments yeah. do it. <laughs> but It's the same here, yeah. yeah. You just have to be organized and resourceful and ship it in and comes in from somewhere where you know you've got to get onto it really early because there's shipping times. And yeah. then what, what city or, or country have you found most challenging to work in? Uh, at the moment, I think I found Vietnam really challenging oh, and God. really beautiful. Well, um, challenging because I art directed a movie called The Quiet American. So I was in mm-hmm. uh, Vietnam for three months in Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh City. And um, it was incredibly, it was a long time ago. I think this was the 90s. So things may have changed. Um Oh my goodness, it's just the process. It was, we still were using cameras to take photographs, wasn't yet. Oh, so you had to like print out all your stuff or get it, get it printed? Yeah, you had a one hour developing labs with your best friends and you'd go to um, the fax machine to do the drawings. Oh man. And it must have been hot as hell. It was very hot and And humid. I think there was a so culturally it was challenging but you know if you wanted that photograph developed and you'd give it to your assistant art director they would say okay like for example I forgot to take a photograph outside the window of Michael Caine's office in Hanoi Mm -hmm. on the bamboo street 
So I said to my assistant art director, oh, look, can you please go and take a photograph of the tree outside, just outside the shop because I forgot to do it for the greens department because we're recreating that set back in Sydney in the studio. So the first thing he said is, oh, my gosh, I can't. I'm so sorry. Um, I don't have a camera. I said, so, well, don't worry. Don't Just go buy a disposable camera. So yeah. take the photo and develop it and see when you get back. So he <laughs> came back and two hours later and gave me the camera and I said oh great where's the photos and he said well they're in the camera I said okay well please can you please develop, develop the pictures now and so he oh, went away I don't know who this guy is but well, uh, give me his name later I'm not hiring him <laughs> <laughs> this is how it works and so then I realized when he got back at four o'clock I had the photos they were all out of focus except one but that's fine I could scan it and send it back to Sydney but he couldn't lose face so he had to find out who in the, his family owned a photo lab, in this case, was someone on the absolute other side of the city of Hanoi. So he had to go back there twice through all that crazy traffic and get all that work done so he wouldn't lose faith with his family. So, you know, that took all day to get one photograph. And you, you can't, when you go into countries, you can't change the tide of how things work. You have to go in there and not be the... Um, I think the the white, in my case, I'm white, right. the white person. Right. Says, this is the way to do things because it'll just. Yeah, I have to be open and accepting and respectful. And we're you're respectful. we're in their country to make a film. We're not there. You know, th this is their lives. This is their exactly. yeah. So though, although it's challenging on that level, um, you know, at the end of that job. He was so grateful to me about what I taught him about the process. And I was so grateful to him of what he taught me culturally about the meanings and, and, and how he saw the world. So I think it's a two-way street. So I love oh, going. Awesome. I love doing that because it's not – I kind of love it because it's not only a challenge, but it's also so, like – I find my senses go on fire when I'm challenged in that way mentally and I just start seeing things in the world that I don't see if I'm at home in my own routine and just going through the same old daily stuff. So even when I come to the States and do a job, like when I went to New Orleans, I was like on fire because I just, that architecture was so oh, beautiful. It's so, amazing. And it was, I had the most incredible team. My um, art director, Michelle Harmon, was such a beautiful woman. She was so good at her job, and the, my set decorator was incredible. So, Kristen was just, she just invited me over for a barbecue the first weekend. How generous inviting me into her home. Just like, well, yeah, we gotta eat. That's, <laughs> that's my, that's like my daily thing. Well, we gotta eat. So, we might as well eat or drink or uh, talk about it over a meal. Best time. Yeah. I had the most wonderful time. Oh, yeah. Well, that's I mean, good. Very. I felt very lucky to do my job. I think we're in this privileged Absolutely. position where we we do what we love. I mean, what? I'm so. It's so stupid. Like I think about it all the time, and I'm like, this is so stupid. Why am I waking up in the middle of the night thinking about like the shears or like? But it is. It's a. It's it's a passion. I think anyone yeah. who's in this, it, it has to be a passion because it's oh, we're not yes. we're not solving world problems. I wish we were, and sometimes yeah. we get on projects that are that are important and that people you know react to. And I I look for that also of like, yeah, it, whether it's comedy or whether it's you know a drama, whatever. I think that also plays in the back of my mind too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so. In your travels, you went to Brazil to do Black Mirror. <laughs> why did that episode, which I watched again today, why did that need to be in Brazil? Is there a tax credit there? <laughs> no. We originally, when I read the script, it was set in the UK. So Charlie... And Annabelle, Charlie Booker and Annabelle, the producers, approached Owen Harris to direct the episode. And he did two of my, there's many favourite 
Black Mirror episodes, but he did San Junipero and Be Right Back, and I love San Junipero. I love them all. <laughs> I so, basically love them all. <laughs> in a way, Striking Vipers is a little bromance companion to San Junipero, and when um, I met Owen by Skype, it had we decided that because it was about the routine of Danny and Theo's marriage and how they'd got into um, to highlight suburbia, we just felt it would be much more clearer visually to set it in a dystopian America, for example. Okay. Now, ironically, no one could get their visas in time, <laughs> except <laughs> I had no one, so I was going, well, I can go. And I did a lot of research, and the two options that came to mind that Owen had also thought of when we were talking was Cape Town. Mm-hmm. And then when I researched San Paulo in Brazil, I just thought it had such a subtle heightened stylization and it had a very delicate soft pastel color tone to it. And the city itself has really no advertising in terms of the council. It's so dense. It's is, so dense. Is that real or was that... Is that's that enhanced? Real. That's real. That's oh, wow. Real. So, and that inspired me as well as knowing historically, I love the architects from there, like Oscar Niemeyer or Lena Bobardi or Paolo Mendes. I mean, and so then when I found Alphaville there, which is kind of iconic suburbia, it was like I just suddenly this lookbook poured out of me. And I thought that's it. That's the that's the setting for Black Mirror Striking Vipers, and it, and we went there. I I didn't think about it until looking at the episode from your point, from a production designer point of view. I mean, when I watched it, I thought to myself, this seems like it's Pasadena, because of like there's almost yeah. this craftsman sort of yeah. house that they're in. And then yeah. is this supposed to be downtown L.A. or is it like, is it Chicago? And then I thought, well, look at this city. This is like not an American city. <laughs> but so it made me think in that sense that this whole world is just not real. Yeah. Or, or you're not supposed to think about it. You're, uh, you're not supposed to think about it like I am. <laughs> so Yeah. No, no, it's true. So it isn't real. Exactly. No, I think that is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Because it takes you out of it sometimes. And I think a lot of the black mirrors aren't set in real cities so that it could be anywhere. All of this could be happening anywhere. That's right. And and also and also I think there's there's gotta be a connection to something for us when we're watching something in set in the near future that is connected to the way we live so it isn't becoming too science fiction yeah in black mirror so that you realize the reflection of the meaning and and the story and the power of well oh actually it's now you know this is happening now so right to speak. which is like and then i was like well they don't have accents so <laughs> i don't know where it is i just like this episode um so was it written as like a japanese garden or no. now, or, or to, Tokyo yeah. Street, like what, or did you have to play a lot of video games to like, <laughs> were you playing a lot of Street Fighter or something? Or? Well, having had three boys, oh. I've seen a lot of video game true. research. True, true, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> um, Charlie had written a different opening to the script, so I got sent to San Paolo and did some initial, I often do a lot of research and digging and go down wormholes with locations in the areas I'm going, so I'm prepared for briefing the location manager when I hit the ground, and I found this incredible play of light in this grid in a nightclub, Mm. and so I felt the script had opened with the couples, you know, you're 13 years before, and at the beginning of romances, and um, they were originally in a movie theater watching a movie like a kind of Conan the Barbarian style, hmm. 
you know, sexy kind of pouring water in a bath thing. And, and I just suggested a nightclub to Owen, who loved it, and we talked about how that would be so much more intimate. There could be dancing. And yeah, and talking. Incredible. You can't talk in a movie. You know, <laughs> lighting grid around them, and that just felt very Black Mirror to me, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, luckily, Owen totally loved that, and we spent probably three... We had five weeks pre-production to make Black Mirror, so we spent about three... Um, convincing Charlie that this nightclub was great. And then when we did, he loved it. So that was great. Oh, wow. So you had <clears throat> five weeks prep, and how long was the shoot? I think the, I think we had, I have to look it up. I've forgotten. It was a whirlwind. I think we had like 25 days or 21 days, something mm-hmm. like that shoot. It's really, really, they're really fast. And then with the game world, I love, just playing with textures and grids so to try and heighten that um and i did some really diligent research again and i knew charlie was very inspired and annabelle they they are incredible people and very they're geniuses i have to say that Mm. and i knew that he would have been very inspired and he was he told me from street fighter but i felt the original game was set on a beach and Mm -hmm. it was called crystal beach we still have a beach in the show but the majority of the games in the script were a beach and i just didn't feel like we really had a beach in st paulo like i'm from australia the beaches here are beautiful like the beaches the beach also to shoot in is so difficult like how the light changes during a day and and building a set of a game and how to stylize it with Anyway, I started feeling like if we applied a Japanese design theme to it, and when I looked back philosophically, I got quite um, inspired by the Japanese anime artist who did Ghost in the Shell. Oh, um, yeah. This, I can't uh... pronounce him, Hiramasa Ugara. Oh, wow. Well, I don't I was going to say Scarlett Johansson, so... <laughs> So I'm glad you whipped that out. <laughs> so that, um, that kind of gave then a freedom and a cohesive, cohesiveness to the design elements that I could apply to all the game worlds, and then we could have Tokyo Street and then the helipad. And, the Tokyo and, Street's fantastic. And the Japanese temple became the hero one and a little pagoda often that yeah. looked like a fighting rig, and you could have more intimate scenes there. And... and um, So that actually fell into place quite effortlessly. Ironically, we couldn't find in St. Paolo easily a Danny and Theo's normal house. So that location is something like three different, three or four different houses to make that one house. Oh, really? Because of the backyard to get that? The backyard, the kitchens were also different over there, the streets. And his... And then, is it Theo? And his apartment is so modern. Oh, Carl, yeah. Carl, yeah, which was, you know, obviously a, a bachelor has a modern, yeah. chic apartment with the with the pinball yeah. machine, and like that was great. Yeah. Such a such of like what every guy wants, and then this guy's like flipping burgers. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I know Carl is so cool. Yeah. It's... That was that was a beautiful apartment on the Polista mm-hmm. that I'd researched through the architects again. There's so many creative people in St. Paolo and wow. and um, we 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 had the most incredible team. I was able to bring the supervising art director here, Charlie Revai, mm-hmm. and luckily for me, Vera Hamburger, who's a production designer in St. Paolo, she was able to set decorate and bring her team of props and art department coordinators and and construction, for example, were four different departments. So Charlie had to deal with wood, paint, perspex and a soft sculpted stunt floor. So for all our construction, to get one construction quote, he had to get those four (laughs) different people coordinated and... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And a greens department to 
cherry blossom all the trees and Wow. Actually, I'm exhausted. Oh my God. No, I know. Because then I'm starting to think about the, the real versus that, like with the pagoda or the, the cherry blossoms, then you dealt also with like set extensions in yeah. it. Was it mostly green screen? Was that shot? Was that shot on a stage? No. So I had this philosophy of creating all these game world sets on locations. So they're all builds? They're all builds on locations. Wow. And with visual effects extensions. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we were so lucky in St. Paolo because that Tokyo street set, had that was a fantastic location of shops, but it was in a closed-off area with a gated Korean manufacturing area that all the concrete was stamped in grids and all the bricks were the same size on the walls so we came in and covered 15 to 20 shops and we put in facades and got into the shops and put lights on and that's a huge dress huge dress and they had they also didn't want to give us very much time to dress and strike so those guys had to come in shocker shocker Absolute shocker. <laughs> and for example, VFX just did everything above the. Oh, I see. Everything above. So we had a green screen at the end of that street, mm-hmm. but we built on a T. So, and it was um, that was great, and that was um, a little homage to Ghost in the Shell and Blade Runner and all those. You know, there's lots of little things from me going. Oh, I love. I love those films and there's a little 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 bits in there plus there's always the black mirror easter eggs as well and well you can you can see the influence but it's definitely turned i think because it's turned it's, it's, turned, like it's pumped up because of the the colors that you used and um <laughs> i also think it's the two people like making out in each set is another like <laughs> oh okay <laughs> Quite confronting. It's great. It is. I forgot how much I liked that episode until I watched it again. (laughs) The first time I watched it, I remember (laughs) looking over at my husband and being like, "What the? What's going on? (laughs) What are we watching?" (laughs) Isn't that great? And that's exactly the feeling I felt when I read the script. And I wanted to have that feeling in the design where you could invent and create and have fun. Oh, it's absolutely achieved. When they step into that world, you think to yourself, okay, well, that's that they're in a they're in their, you know, game world that anything can happen. And anything could happen. Yeah. No, it's beautifully done. We, we played with multiples, and I just got very inspired also the way that Owen did Matrix, for example. Like, I love some of his sets in Matrix, and they're playing. Yeah. And that's the only film for me, I mean, there's lots of others, I guess, but maybe for me at that point was a good, probably the best reference of how to create a game world. Yeah. It, you know? and, but real, because because the virtual reality plays a big part into it that it has we have to feel these things now we have to yeah. be able to believe that they're real and 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 that's happening now with us and yeah. it's crazy and, and very supported by the producers to be allowed to build and create that feeling by building on location because you had a different feeling oh that's great when you're doing that. and and I was very lucky to have that with the we had such a like I think you always strive for that collaboration with the, if you're the production designer, with the DOP and the director mm-hmm. and, and having a free, also with the line producer or producer who's by your side running. Because Charlie and Annabelle were really running their stuff out of London. So we were there as a little group. Wow. And they came and visit. well, Annabelle came and visited, but really we were, I was sending packages off every week and designing the props for the, you know the, you know the, all the. Oh yeah, stuff. and it's very involved, but it, it and because we were all on the same page, it flew in a short amount of time. If we weren't, like I was so grateful that I had so beautiful working with Owen and the DP, 
Oh, that's great. Because you could get hung up. You could get really hung up on something, and it just it's like a domino effect, and then it starts affecting like other things, and you got you got to work it out. You only have so much time, but it it personally I think holds you up sometimes, and like I'm I'm spending too much energy on this, and you know there's battles to be had, and and sometimes in in between departments and. It's 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 always great when you can get along and be on the same page and and encourage and you know help one another achieve what each of the departments want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we had a very strict color palette. Like I had a very strict color palette that was more dusty and mm-hmm. and again picked up on those bricks in Danny and Theo's house and concrete for Carl and then. And a much more heightened color palette for the game world. Yeah, that was um, also beautifully composed and picked up by the costume designer Sarah. And we worked very closely together. And luckily, um, uh, the DP and I also felt, and Owen, that we had to link the real world and the game world. So we were trying to merge colors between the two and we talked on about the the film's transition points so um you know that love wonka wise mood for love and Mm. his films are incredible and we decided to use graphics in a way to link things so that in Danny's work, we'd have signage vinyls on the partitions of the glass cubicles and we have them again in a shop. And then we'd have the signage for the game world. So we're always trying, yeah. like, thematically and visually to have an overlap in those real worlds and game worlds so that I don't know if anyone picks that up, but there is definitely a something little subtexty thing going on there. I, when you just said with the costumes connecting from the game world to the real world, after you said that, I started to think of the uh, wife's dress in the first, or the party scene, and yeah. then and then the color palette of um, the, the Asian fighter chick's dress. <laughs> I mean, it's not exactly the same, but it's, the, it's kind of the same mute. Yes. So... Yes. Yeah, I could see that, how that relation happens. And that, that's something that it's subtle and people probably f- figure it out even without us saying it. I mean, it's yeah. a relation of like, oh, that's yeah. the look of it. And I think those subtexts, like when I read a script and I'm researching for the first time, those environments are important. But I'm really trying to find what the feeling is underneath what's written. Right. And, the, and to how we'd best bring the subtext out into the story. Because I think filmmaking is like a moving painting. No. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think that if we, we have this palette and we, through light and film and special effects, you know, we all work together to create the same outcome which is what do you want to say what are you saying what what are these characters asking you questioning you even if the feeling and the design is just um posing the question you know i'm always thinking of ways to to run that emotional undercurrent so when you worked on black mirror were you also working on the lego movie no, I did the Lego movie was the, they suddenly decided they want a live action section of the movie, which would be the opening. Right. Which is Chan. Right. So I called because I was here in between jobs and said, do you want to design a set that's um, an antiquities shop where you come in and meet the Lego directors at Fox? And I went, oh, sure. Yeah. Why not? Do I have to build it out of Legos? or? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been my first thing. <laughs> How many Legos are you giving me? <laughs> yeah. And can they be colored? Yeah. Is it like just the primary colors or do I get like the new colors? Uh, can I paint them? 
Can it be the bigger ones and not the really tiny ones? Because that's going to take forever. <laughs> oh my gosh, those digital guys. That is their world. I can't so even I imagine. Do, I can't imagine how great and awful that job is. <laughs> <laughs> they have to build the environments out of all the actual little Lego bits that in, in, in the VFX 3D world. And when I went in there, it was there at the end of the movie. And... They all looked exhausted and Charlie, who's the director, I came in and just pitched what I thought it should be like they had a little, they hadn't written the script quite yet. So I was like, oh, look, how about we do, I think he's in San Francisco mm -hmm. and I think the grandfather's taking the son into this antique shop and um, how about it looks like this? I think it should have a dividing moon gate door and we I love this um, <laughs> rhino head in a glass case from the Victorian period and we we should just have peacocks and amazing antiques and I um, was lucky enough to work with Lisa Thompson a set decorator who oh yes on Mad Max and Lisa scowled antique shops from Melbourne all the way up the coastline to Sydney and that sounds like an awful job <laughs> <laughs> she had a great time. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie and I built the most beautiful set <laughs> with this most beautiful shoot off, and um, it gave me such freedom. And they, uh, it, it just, I just thought, wow, can I get a big movie, please? If this is what it's like, yeah, this right. Is fine. It was honestly like going into. Um, a lolly shop for a child. It was just brilliant to have all those resources at your fingertips. That sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was quite fun. And I got to meet Jackie Chan. Which yeah, was pretty that's what I was going to Did he have any uh, requests of like, oh, uh, can this, like, oh, yes. I've got to see. Did he? Did he? He did, right? <laughs> he had to do, he had to make up a bit of a routine in there with, um, I can't remember what it was. I think it was some swords or some bamboo sticks. So we had to make all that hand stuff props for him. Oh, wow. With stunt rehearsals and and he kind of just gets on set and feels that one thing had to tip over and then the other and then the other and we just made it up. That's awesome. Made soft props and, I know. I'm not really uh, – the couple of times I have to work with stunts, it's kind of like, what? What do you want? Like <laughs> – what? Uh, all right. I got I got to get five different chairs. I got to get five chairs. You can't just use this one chair. I don't know. It's sort of it's um it takes the, the yeah, it takes the fun out of it. Like can't you just you just come and jump or you just fall on this thing? Why do I have to get this or props has to get the mattress, the big mattress thing and and they're so serious. I mean, they have to be because you could get, really get hurt. But they're so serious. Uh, some people are, are very serious with their job, which is great. Super serious. You just don't want them to be. I don't mind the serious. I just don't want last minute. That's what oh, well, yeah. Yeah. Then you're on your own, buddy. You better bring your own chair. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. That's fun. And so you went. You had super fun, awesome Lego movie and uh, before that, you had Top of the Lake, which is maybe the most depressing show. <laughs> I loved it. I, I loved it. it. But it was damn depressing. <laughs> that's, oh a, that's a dingy little color palette you had there. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, the funny thing is, I mean, Jane Campion is such an incredible person and such a beautiful woman to work with. She's really... She's really special, and um, the the irony is for Puss's apartment. So he's the he's a character in the TV series that is particularly unlikable. Really, by the end, you find out exactly what mm, kind yeah. of creepy person he is, and and very dysfunctional. And with the he lives in this kind of warehouse terrace underbelly of a seedier place in Sydney and we built a set for him for his apartment and the brothel. He has a Thai brothel underneath 
and um, in the series you find out the underbelly of the Thai brothel is really a ring of um, surrogate mothers and selling babies. It's really dark stuff, which is all based on research that Jane did. Believe it or not. So we went to brothels and I took photographs and um, but a huge inspiration for that was Blue Velvet for me. Mm-hmm. With, I adore Patricia Norris's production design. I have a few key hard hitters that I absolutely honour, which Patricia Norris is one, and there's a handful. Dennis Gastner is another, and oh, Dean Tavalaris yeah. and Richard Silbert, and there's a few more. But Patricia's palette in Blue Velvet in Isabella Rossellini's apartment was just uh, often a go-to if I'm looking at colour and pusses. If you go back now and... Please don't go back and watch Top of the Moon. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle that again, but... <laughs> but if you look at the brothel, yeah. it's inspired by her apartment colours. And then the set decorator brought to me a peacock feather. And we were trying to work out, because Puss is so awful. We wanted his character to be real. And we wanted him to be seductive and charming. But really, he's someone you should keep away from. And when um, Glenn brought this peacock feather to me... I said, this is Puss, like he's vain, he's a peacock. Right. And we, we, we used that cut the colours from that and that became a theme. So he would get that pattern going inside the brothel and that oh, was kind beautiful. of a turning point moment. So, And Nicole Kidman's house, she, I just pitched to Jane that being very white. So most stark. DPs, stark. Yeah. It's a huge, beautiful house. We looked at maybe 50 houses. Mm. And I, when I finally got to take Jane there, she loved it and she got it. And she could shoot very far away and shoot through rooms. And it was very open, inside-outside feeling. And it was in such contrast to the rest of the TV series. I think that worked quite well. But well, that was a journey. It was brighter then a lot of much brighter than the rest of the series yeah (laughs) were you a fan of the first season yeah i loved the first season yeah and i think for a lot of people it actually is such a shock they're not on the lake that it takes them the half of the second season to get over they're not in new zealand so really elizabeth moss is incredible in that when she finally came to set it's when it all made sense to me. She's such an incredible actress. Yeah. It's, again, like sometimes, I don't know if you find this, but sometimes I just think the set is naked until the actor walks on. Yeah, I do. I have a hard time, um, like, when I watch my work, I still think it's a set. And yeah. I'm only really ever taken out of it when I see when I see the show when I'm not expecting it. Yeah, exactly. Or if it's a photo still, um, and I'm like, oh, that's, was I done that? <laughs> Did I do that? Like, not in a good way. I'm not, like, boasting, but really, like, oh, oh, yeah, that was, that looks real. Look, that, I pulled that off, or we pulled that off, and, um, yeah, that's crazy. But I have a hard time. Um, if I, um, you know, uh, like an episode airing and, um, I have a hard time thinking that it's not a set yeah. and that's hard because that's the whole point is for it to not look like a set and you do your best and everything. So I know what you mean by having an actor in there. And I know a lot of people only like to show their work with actors in it, yeah. um, because it gives it life. The life is there then. So yeah. I, yeah, no, I get that. Um, and I can imagine, uh, Elizabeth Moss, I'm, a, I, I'm a, definitely a fan of hers um, in almost everything that she does. And I feel like she's just so good and, yeah, and, and so subtly good in that. So subtle and so impactful in her performance in Top of the Lake. I just loved it. I think in everything, she is just a tour de force. Yeah. As I, to Nicole, Nicole's incredible too. Yeah. Well, I'm sick of Nicole. No. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my God, could you imagine? <laughs> did you, did you, I mean, I don't ever really talk to, I just worked with an actor that I worked with like 15 years ago 
and I made a point of never, <laughs> never saying hello to them because, or, or like introducing myself until like really the very last day of sort of like, yeah, I remember we were friends kind of thing <laughs> because they didn't remember me and it, that's fine. I get it. I'm not in their face every day. I'm, I'm behind, you know, I'm, I'm gone before they get there. But yeah. did you say hi to Nicole, like from Moulin Rouge? Was you like? Yeah, oh. yeah. Well, we couldn't. Oh, you. This is this is so embarrassing. I'm going to admit this. I'm going to admit this. Okay. On top of the lake, we Nicole has a girlfriend, and it was very difficult to find a location for her house. So we ended up shooting here in my house, which I've always. Oh my said, god. Never having a film crew in our house. I would never have a film crew in my house. Never have a film crew in my house. So I broke the rule. Wow. And I said to Roland, look, do you mind? So Glenn came in and he changed it completely and we painted. And I mean, we, we redressed the lounge room and my bedroom. So Nicole was here because oh, wow. she was sleeping in my bed. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> crazy. Was washed, of course. And, and you have your big Moulin Rouge poster in the... Hallway, no. The house in storage. Let me tell you. And I'm sitting here at my dining table, working like drafting the prison bars because we shot in New Zealand last, and um, we were shooting somewhere that wasn't, of course, a prison, so we had to make a corridor and put it in course. And I was sitting here at the dining table doing the drawings opposite Nicole and all the actors, and then suddenly I realised, oh, I'm in my house, but I'm sitting in the green room. And I looked like, oh no. I just realized, and so I looked up. I said, "Do you guys want me to leave?" I just realized I'm, I shouldn't be here, and of course they didn't want me to. And I was chatting to Nicole, and then Roland rang me because my husband rings every day at lunchtime to, to say hi. A sweet set after 20 years of marriage. Oh, that's sweet. And I got off the phone. I said to Nicole, oh, "I just love that he still rings me at lunch. Gosh, I love him." And she said. I love Keith so much. And then we just started talking about Aww, the conversation. That is so sweet. About the farm and how her dad and, oh, my God, we had this whole then round table with all the actors' conversations. about. It was really gorgeous. So oh, that's awesome. We, you know, if you have the opportunity, I mean, I love talking to these guys and I loved getting to know Elizabeth and I made um, – a book, a book at top of the lake. So I took photographs along the way, and oh, nice! Tiled with the whole crew pictures of them on set, um, and the picture of me is so wide. You can hardly <laughs> <believe>. <laughs> <laughs> but I made and published it and gave it to everyone um, oh, at the an, end of the. That's an awesome rap gift. That's because very we, thoughtful. I haven't done that on other projects, but. It was such a beautiful project to work on with such special people. And Jane creates the most loving, relaxed. I've never been on such a relaxed set. Oh, that's good. So, so all the actors are given the cotton wool they need to feel relaxed and comfortable to do their best performances. Well, it's such a heavy, it's a heavy uh, oh, <laughs> topic. Something. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so she has a very beautiful, unique way, way of working. And I, yeah, I loved it. Have you worked with a lot of people again? You've been, it sounds like you've been lucky to work with a lot of nice people. Uh, I, yeah. But because I mean, you work like all over the world now and sort of like, isn't it hard to like get another project together? Because, I mean, timing yeah, is yeah. always oh, sucks and you can never. Sometimes you can never sync up with someone again, and it's it's that's a that's right. business. But exactly what happens? Yeah, and um, you know you have to in a way keep your if you if I want you know you do that you have to keep yourself available. Like um, sometimes I switch to do TV commercials, and I have a few people I work with over and over again. I try and keep the same art department each mm. time. Like oh, I love great. working with a couple of set decorators here, and but overseas now in the US, I'm just starting to use different people all the time, which I find quite challenging myself. And what it does is, in a way, it's quite healthy because it 
um, almost mirrors, puts a mirror up to me to um, see what my behavior is like, to make sure I'm being a good-headed apartment who's open and intuitive and caring. Mm. And you know, that's really important to have those qualities as a production designer because I don't want to be um, passing on um, stress or, you know. <laughs> yeah. We're all stressed out. We don't need your stress. <laughs> they don't need it. That's right. We're stressed enough from getting the job done. <laughs> but not everyone is like that. So I appreciate that that you are and and think about that and and try to incorporate that because not everybody's like that. <laughs> and I think working with new people overseas has made makes you hold that mirror up a bit more than if you were just. Yeah, you're in good behavior in a sense, but you yeah. want to be. It's not like, you, you know. Be. You want to be a good role model, like you are, hopefully we are for our children. And yeah. and quite frankly, just for the person walking down the street that I pass and say hello to, because yeah. you know, we're all on this planet together, really, and yeah. we're all, you know. Did You didn't yeah. say hi to people when you were in Florida, did you? <laughs> were you in <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that was done in New Orleans. I'm wrong. Yeah. So God yeah, in Central Florida was done in New Orleans. Pretending to be Florida. Oh, yeah. I see. I get it now. Because you said that earlier. I was like, wait, what was that? And then I was like, it probably wasn't the Florida one. But that makes sense now that it's the Florida one. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was that was pretty cool, meeting Kirsten. Kirsten and Jessie are gorgeous people. She's one beautiful down-to-earth woman. Oh, that's awesome to hear. And such a fun, colorful, <laughs> colorful little piece to do there, wasn't that? <laughs> yes. So wait, so that is um, set in, in like the early 90s? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I got it. I, first, I had to look because at first I thought it was the 80s and I was like, well, it's Florida. <laughs> Oh, that's right. That's exactly. That's great because we. I did do that. We yeah. Decided to do a bit of eighties, but because people were. Exactly oh yeah, people don't move into the. No, they don't move into no. the decade till like the fifth or sixth year. I feel like you don't get. I. I don't feel like you get like, the feeling of the decade till like the mid, years at least. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're still borrowing off, and nobody's redoing their all their shit no real people are redoing their shit every you know decade that's right well, they're all still behind but it's beautifully done and very far i thought it was florida so there <laughs> oh my goodness that's such good news yeah like, and okay. research 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 oh, i love to research did you go to florida though you didn't no, have I to didn't. go there did you no, I Oh, it's a secret little realestate.com, Airbnb yeah. is a great Airbnb. resource of like what people are trying to get you to stay in. Yeah. So weird. And then just finding like incredible, um, oh, just incredible, just houses in time capsules too. Yes. Yes. With alligators. With alligators. <laughs> and nets. They got a lot of nets. Was really fun. I mean, we built that set on a stage for for Crystal Stubs, and then we built the Gomes's house on a stage, and then we they were our main sets, and we course then just rotated all the other ones. Mm. We we mm. built a lot. We built a lot, and then in New Orleans there was a zoo that we turned into a water park. So I had to build fences to hide the elephant enclosure <laughs> and. That's awesome. um, and that was so that's where the pink and blue color coding came from for Florida with which was heavily influenced by um, Stephen Shaw's photographs and Michael Parr and all these great soft blues and pinks pastel mm -hmm. palette and um, a bit of 80s muraling palm tree sots fading American glory so there was an underbelly there of things aren't quite right and 
in that pyramid system. It definitely comes through. And it definitely is its own character in the series. Um, So you're coming on location. You're going to come to L.A. and go to the ADG Awards, and I get to buy you a drink. (laughs) I get to buy you a drink. No, for being on the... No. Um, And... um, I really I am walking on sunshine about being nominated. This is like it's so incredible honor. I am so excited to be flying to LA on Thursday. Yes, yes. It is. It's exciting. It's our little, it's like our Oscars. It's so nice. And now there's a red carpet. And now there's like, it's like on some TV. I don't know what station, but um, yeah. No, it's great. It's really come up. It's nice. We're, we're, respected (laughs) I can't can't wait to meet everyone and and just it's just so oh it's just so so wonderful it's nice it's nice to be acknowledged and it's I think nice to be acknowledged amongst your peers it's a nice thing absolutely the highest honor don't you think oh absolutely yes so good luck Thank you. I, Good luck. I, I see you there. I know. I'm so glad we, we we're Skyping and then I know who to look for and you know who to look for, although I look horrible. But but uh, I'll look a lot better <laughs> on Saturday night. But um, thank you so much for doing this. And thanks for getting into detail with everything. It's That's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, I am so grateful you've asked me to contribute to the podcast. Thank you for making the podcast. It's such a great thing that you're doing. And in your spare time, I mean, it is brilliant. I've just about shared it to about 80 people here. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Let's just hope hope, uh, the audio uh, recorded. I think you can hear in Annie's voice, she sounds like such a sweetheart and her concept of just wanting to be a nice person and a nice boss, I mean, that seems so sweet. And I've been lucky enough to run into many a good person, not just a good production designer or any position, Um, but being, being nice and being respectful in this business and in any business is really what it's all about. And what a what a sweetheart for taking time to just talk to me from Australia. How about that? Those poor fires. We had a whole conversation beforehand um, about the fires, and uh, her family uh, was uh, some uh, affected. And it's just so nice of her to take the time to to speak with me. I should also mention that Annie was nominated for an Art Directors Guild Award in 2002 and won for Moulin Rouge. She was the art director. How amazing to work on that film. So this is her second nomination and she's previously won. So good luck to everyone uh, who's competing uh, this weekend. And um, it's all around fantastic work. I'm in awe of every everything that's nominated and not. So. Um, I hope everybody has a good time, and let's be honest, I hope the good place wins. I hope you got an earful. I'm Kim Wanup for Decorating Pages. Decorating Pages is sponsored by Stogie Floaty. Float them if you got them. Luxury pool floats. Available now at stogiefloaty.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.